Hi, I'm Bethany Godso, the Associate Vice President for Career and Leadership Development at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and each member of our community has an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Miriam Miller with All in a Day's Work. We're here sitting down with Samantha Levy. We're very excited to have her here today. Samantha is an NYU alumna. Samantha, if you would mind giving our listeners a quick overview of what your background has been. Sure. And thank you, Miriam, for having me. Hello, everyone in the NYU community. I am a two-time NYU community member. Uh, I went to NYU for my undergrad to Tisch, School of the Arts for Drama. And then um, I came back when I decided to get my graduate degree to the Steinhardt School for Food Studies. So I I, uh, studied food studies, got my graduate degree there, and I am now working as New York Policy Manager for American Farmland Trust. And our, our mission broadly as an organization is to save the land that sustains us, keep land and farming, keep farmers on the land, and help farmers adopt sound farming practices. So you started working in theater, very different, obviously, from what it is that you're doing now. What made you decide to go back to grad school and go into food studies? Yeah, it's it's such a hard answer to sum up really quickly, because as anybody who's switched careers knows... Um, or who started off in, on an artistic path and then might have chosen a different path. It's a very complicated, tied up in your identity, tied up with a lot of emotion choice that you make, and it does not happen overnight. So it was really gradual. Um, I, I graduated from Tish and I was acting uh, and performing. And then really, I guess, if I could think back to a defining moment, Hurricane Sandy hit and... I had been feeling that my work in theater just wasn't feeling vital to me and to what I wanted to to be and do in society. And I felt called to do work that felt a little bit more impactful. Nothing against theater. I think it's incredibly important. But ultimately, I really wanted to do something that addressed climate change. And at the time I was working at a restaurant, that restaurant was focused on serving local food, really focused on how food is grown, how that impacts flavor. It's quite a a fancy restaurant, I will admit, but it really got me interested in the connection between our food, how it's grown, what we eat, our own health, the health of the environment, and climate change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you kind of alluded to a little bit of this, but I think a lot of people find career change to be a really big challenge. I think, as you said, people feel very tied to what it is that they do. And so when you think a little bit about making that change from theater into food policy, how do you think you were able to do it successfully? And how how did you sort of frame that background to employers? You know, I had a, a very strong degree in theater Um, And when I decided that this was what I wanted to start working on, you know, I had had some experience. Like I said, I worked at that restaurant. I worked as a farmer's market manager. I was starting to make my inroads doing sort of entry-level jobs in this new field. 
Um, and it was it really at the time was was and maybe still is an emerging field of working on food system sustainability, agricultural sustainability in a big way. I realized as I started to get more into it, as I started to apply for jobs, I wasn't getting calls for interviews. And I really felt that it was probably because I did not have an education. Um, my resume didn't read as the resume of somebody who would really be an incredible policy manager. Though, of course, getting to the second part of your question, how, do I, how did I really sort of sell my skills and background to employers to make that connection? The skills that I gained in theater, things like being able to sit in a conversation and advocate for something. A lot of acting training is about action. It's about using your voice. It's about communication um, and being effective in your communication and communicating what's inside of you and bringing that out into the world. Those types of skills I found and, and was told that I would find and definitely found to be absolutely translatable. So I think that it was the combination of getting a new degree and a, a strong education and background and what I wanted to work on through NYU and then also figuring out the way that I can trans that I could translate and transform the things that I had learned, the skills that I had built that were so such a core part of me and my identity and use them in service of this role that I'm in. I think it's really interesting that you talk a little bit about translating those skills into a new type of field. So I think that's really hard for a lot of people to kind of step outside of themselves and think about what are the bigger picture things that I actually know how to do in terms of my skill set that would make me successful in a totally different type of functional role or in a totally different type of industry. Do you feel like you've really seen those same skills come into play in your current role? And, and do you think they are helping you be successful now? Oh, boy, do they. <laughs> I mean, when I was in acting school, and this is something that actors often say, everyone should go to acting class, just even a class. You know, you're as you were talking about just now translating skills and being able to step back and figure out what is it that I have that I know that I can bring to a new field that I want to work in or a new position that I want to work on. Uh, I was just nodding my head the whole time. I think that if it hadn't been for some other folks who were pointing that out to me as I was making the transition, because it was honestly really hard to let go of the identity of being an artist, and I still fully haven't let go of it, but the identity that came along with that of being an actor, being a singer, being a performer, having that be my, you know, I wanted to be a Broadway star from when I was five years old. It was really, really difficult to sort of let that dream at least go put to rest for a little while. And being able to say to myself, okay, well, I've learned so many things that have become a core part of me, and then be able to find ways for those to feel relevant and impactful in my current role. And I'll just, for as a specific example, as an advocate, what I'm doing day in and day out is I am writing a lot, I'm speaking to people, I'm organizing coalitions, I'm bringing people together, I'm listening, I'm translating what they say into policy, which brings in my education from graduate school, a lot of what I'm doing and, and what I, I need to be effective in is sitting in a meeting with somebody who has a lot of power, the governor's staff, someone from the state legislature or their staff, somebody who has the power to make a decision to make a change in the world and be able to 
speak from the heart in a way that they will care about. And it's really those those skills that I learned in theater that become most relevant in that moment. We'll be right back to our episode after this quick tip from Diana Mendez. When you're ready to negotiate for a salary, always know your value add. So you can go to salary.com or glassdoor.com to get some idea of the different salary ranges and also figure out what other things you can bring to the position. Like, for example, your degree from NYU, maybe languages that you've spoken or maybe very relevant experience that you have for the job that, you know, makes you stand out from other candidates. It's always good to have done your research and understand what your bottom line is in terms of what you're willing to negotiate in terms of the amount of money, but also other perks like your start date or benefits. All of those are things that are sort of hidden perks that you should be looking at. You should be looking at the whole scope of benefits that you have and be ready to talk to the HR person or the person that you've been dealing with during the negotiations. Treat it like a regular conversation and just be very pleasant and be ready to talk about why your negotiation is going the way it is. now back to the episode. Do you have advice for listeners who are looking to either get into policy or other political positions and are kind of unsure of how to go about it? Yes. Um, take acting class. Uh, <laughs> that would be one. I, I do mean that sort of seriously, but, but truly the advice is to work in, in politics. There are people who you know, your representatives who are always looking for public, public service minded individuals who are passionate, who care about supporting people and making people's lives better. I got this advice early on in my studies at NYU. You know, I, I did some informational interviews. Those are also really good. Find somebody who's working in the field you want to work in and ask if you can have a half hour of their time. And the person I spoke to worked for an organization that I really wanted to work for. And I asked them, what do you think? What do you think I should do? And she said to me, get experience in politics. And so I um, went to a farm bill listening session that Senator Gillibrand was holding and gave them my NYU graduate student card and said, hey, do you take interns? Because I'm in school and I'd love to work for the senator. Through that internship, I actually learned that I love public service. I would answer phones and constituents would call with concerns or requests. This, you know, not to get too political, but this, I was an intern there during the fall of 2016. And I think we can remember that that was a pivotal moment for this country. And Senator Gillibrand got waves of phone calls from people and you know, while I had my own feelings about what was happening, it was re- it felt really good to be answering calls from constituents, hearing from them and learning how an office works and what drives public servants. I would definitely say if you want to work in policy in any certain area, learn about the area of policy that you want to work in. So getting a graduate degree in food studies, agriculture, you know, learning about agriculture a little bit more, learning about our food system more, that was really critical. But then learn about politics, learn about how an office runs, what they care about, why they're both why they're accountable to their constituents, but then also how it is that they choose to be leaders and serve the public. I want to shift again a little bit and talk about authenticity at work. 
you know, in theater, I think there's often a sense that people can be a very open version of themselves. And working in politics that, you know, things are much more buttoned up. Do you find that that has sort of been true for you? How do you think that you bring still your authentic self to work? Is it in a different way than it used to be? Ooh, such a good question. You know, I I work within an office, which is friendly and team oriented and kind, but also professional. You know, it's like you balance the human side of things, the how was your weekends, the how was your evenings, you know, the learning about each other with the, you know, we're all working as a team on behalf of this mission to get it done. In terms of bringing your authentic self, it can be challenging at times because, and and to be truthful in a work situation, even if you're an actor and, and predisposed to be emotional and dramatic, as some of us may be, you know, you're not really going to want to bring your problems into the, into the theater either. But in terms of being authentic, I, I just shifting gears a little bit from like office dynamics to how to bring yourself to the work in a way that feels authentic. You know, I've been in this role for about three years now. And, you know, as a policy advocate, I, I wear suits. I go to Albany and wear suits. It's very different from what I used to wear when I was an actor. But I, I find that the more human you can be and the more relatable you are and the more you work to get to know those that you're working with colleagues or people who you are advocating to, the more effective you are, but also the more fun it is and the and the the more relatable you are. And as a person who leads coalitions and works to organize a lot of different interests and organizations and people around certain ideas and policy ideas, I think that yes, you both have to be professional, but then you really do need to balance that with being a person. Because I think that the people people want to work with people who they can understand as people. I'm very curious to see how things, if they change and how much they change, given that we're in this time right now of the pandemic where people's personal lives and professional lives are colliding in a way that they haven't really before. I'm really interested actually to see how this time ultimately impacts the way in which we end up working when all is said and done, if if people will have this kind of greater understanding about how, you know, the things that are personal do affect the professional as well and, and what that would look like. So that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Can you talk a little bit about how you've been able to balance your work in professional life? A colleague of mine who's in the leadership development program who works for this organization called FarmNet you know, we had a conversation about this as a group recently. And she's, she said, she sort of came in and she was like, you know what, we need to destroy this idea that there, there can be a work life balance doesn't exist. And what we really need to find is how we can be well and sort of have have each side support one another. That doesn't get to answer your question. I guess the one thing that I would say to answer your question is, it can be really challenging to have time boundaries. I think a lot of it for me has to do with time management. Again, keeping a to-do list, making sure that I get done whatever I need to get done in a day. And then if I need to save something for later, I save it. But then once I'm done with work, I close my computer if I have the luxury to do so. There are certain times of year where I do sort of need to be on call all the time when something major is being negotiated or what have you. And maybe I'll check my email in the evening out of habit once or twice because it's on my phone. But, But making sure to keep those boundaries and ask for those for that space if there is a colleague that's 
maybe taking up too much of it. You know, I think the culture is different for every workplace, but for ours, we do try to be really mindful of making sure that people have the space to go and live their life and do the things that they want to do outside of work to be a full rounded human. <laughs> Samantha, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you sharing all of your insights about your career trajectory. So thank you so much for being with us. More than happy to Miriam. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I hope it helps some folks. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Miriam Miller with episode guest Samantha Levy. We're produced and edited by me, Lily Smith, and created with support from Mia Beresford, Danielle Crystal, Dana Rosa, Haley Garofalo, Diana Mendez, Joseph Mercadante, Carrie Pannoni, and Sarah Rosenthal. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.